Welcome everyone, I'm Heather Welch from EDX Education and we'll be in conversation with Karen Clintz, teacher, entrepreneur and CEO and founder of Tigers Childcare. Karen has recently launched Tigers Childcare in London. Tigers has an amazing philosophy and are committed to quality education and care in stimulating and progressive environments. Children from as young as four months to 12 years attend the childcare and after school programs. We are so excited to have Karen with us today. We're chatting about being creative, teaching, school readiness, founding Tigers Childcare, and so much more. Welcome, Karen. Can I ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners today and how you became passionate about early childhood, fueling children's little minds to be curious and inquisitive, and also founders Tigers Childcare. Yeah, no problem. I'm Karen Clintz. I'm the founder and CEO of Tigers Childcare. And how did you find it? What was your journey to finding it, Karen? Um, I always loved children. So I, I suppose I always had an affiliation, loved babysitting when I was a child and, and just being around children. I came from quite a large family and was one of the eldest cousins. And I just always loved being around them. But I think my, my career path didn't really take me there at the start. I um, was in school wanted to do something to do with business so I was really good at business studies and so I wanted to do something which I thought would make some money and so I did went into marketing after school and college um, I liked the course but when I actually went to practically work in the industry I didn't really like it um, I couldn't have imagined doing it for the rest of my life and at 20 years of age I was pregnant with my for- first daughter Ella um, and I was made redundant. I was working for a, a dot com company that went bust in the in the first um, bust, and so I was left pregnant, twenty, without a job, and kind of looking to see what was I going to do. But I suppose I took it as an opportunity and said, you know, I'm at a stage where I need to make the right decisions for me and and for the child I was going to have. And so I went and I retrained um, to do special needs teaching. So I started working in a school then when my daughter was after my daughter was born training there and I worked there for a number of years and I really you know knew then that working with children was what I wanted to do and it was while working at that school that I saw the gap in the market for school age childcare so these children in that school when the parents were working were either being collected to be minded in other parents homes or were going back to creche and nursery facilities that really weren't suitable for them were for much younger children and the children weren't really happy so you'd hear in the classroom the children giving out about their uh, childcare experiences and so I had grown up in Australia where after school care was commonplace where I had attended one myself where I'd loved to go to it every day and so I approached the principal in the school that I was in and I asked him if we could potentially set up something within the school um, and so he afforded me the classroom for the first year for free to encourage me to start it up. And that's really where Tigers was born um, in that classroom space with those after school children. And what year was that? How long ago was that that Tigers was born? So that was in 2001. Oh, wow. Um, or sorry, in 2003, sorry. Um, so a long, long time ago now. Um, so started off with three children in the classroom, myself, uh, two brothers, and then another little boy who had started in junior infants, which is our first year of primary school. And it just grew from there. So it was about, I suppose, you have an idea of what, what people want. And so we started this after school club that was going to be full time, five days a week until 6.30 p.m. in the evening every day. And then we realized actually the parents needed flexibility. Um, that, that some parents weren't working full time 
and also um, some parents just needed you know a couple of hours care a day and so we moved with what the parents wanted and we allowed and afforded them that flexibility which meant that we were very popular very quickly um, <laughs> and then we looked at what the children wanted to do after school so we knew the thoughts of children staying in school for an extra four hours after school you know would be something that children didn't want to do um, and so we made the environment very unlike school um, and we made the experiences and their interactions with the adults very unlike what you would have stereotypically with your teacher. And we found that when we did that, when we got down to the children's level, where we listened to them and we took the time to get to know them, that children that may have come into school and may have been quite shy started becoming quite confident. Children that may be within the classroom space who, who found it difficult within a, a very confined classroom space of sitting with seats and doing academia then started to learn to self-regulate themselves because you were talking them through how to do that. Um, and you saw real changes to these children within the classroom space and the teachers reporting back um, was that Tigers was making a real impact on the children's lives and those teachers started to recommend Tigers to certain children as well. After school activities just weren't there. So there wasn't the culture that we have now, which is structure, structure, structure. All kids do after school activities they do everything. I mean, we've just moved yeah. back from Dubai. And if you're not doing robotics or something with creativity, entrepreneurship, and your 10-year-old's not in this, this, and this, and, you know, it's just a very competitive environment out there. So, you know, yeah. it's one of those areas that's really evolved over time, hasn't it? Yeah. And I suppose what we wanted to do was to have, like, it, it's great and it's fantastic for children to do plenty of extracurricular activities, but we wanted to have a space where the actual the children choose what they wanted to do yeah. where it was quite relaxed they could attend their after school activities because they were generally held within the school after school so if they wanted to learn a second language or if they wanted to go and do sport we would drop them there and pick them up but when they came back to us it was really a, like a home from home environment a space that had all of the different options for them to do so they had computers they had um, arts and crafts they had construction but then they would choose what they wanted to do with their day. Karen, how long did it take for you to actually move out of the school? So you've come from three kids in 2005, was it? And then you've moved on. Where, how long did it take you to actually... Two years later, yeah, two years later, we were approached by um, another school that was uh, just opening in Dublin. And it was a school that was using it. I suppose it was looking at a different way of building a school. And so they were building a school that would have within it a community centre and a community element to that school. Um, and so they were tendering for childcare service. And so we applied for that and we got that. Um, and I suppose that really put us on the map because the Department of Education were really involved in the setup of the school. Um, and so they were really interested in what we were doing. And so I suppose words started to travel then about Tigers. And then we went over, I suppose, a six-year period of building up a number of after-schools, so eight after-schools within different school settings around Dublin. Mm. And then there was an introduction of the free preschool year. So that was much like what you have here in the UK, where all children are afforded time um, to have a free year in preschool before they attend formal education. And so we had these preschools or these after-school spaces that we were using for breakfast club in the morning and we were using them in the afternoon after school, but they lay idle in the middle of the day. And so doing this free preschool year in the middle of the day made sense. 
And so we started to deliver that for early years, so for children from two and a half years up until the time they went to school. And again, that worked really well. And it started at a time where the new curriculum model had only opened in Ireland. So very much like the early years foundation stages, we have a curriculum framework called Aster, and that had just been developed. And so we did the rollout of that within our preschool services. And again, we saw when we rolled out a really play-based model, a model where it was very much child-led, it had huge impacts on the children. So that um, and wasn't the norm, the play-based wasn't the norm in the Irish education? It wouldn't have been back then, no. So it would have been much more, I suppose, like schoolified. So where children would be coming in, where the activities may have already been planned for them prior to them coming in, where there was a lot of tabletop time um, and sitting down and kind of there was a whole emphasis on them being school ready but back then school ready meant being ready to read ready to write and knowing how to sit in your seat whereas for us school ready is being confident and having the tools that are going to get you there being able to self-regulate yourself express yourself communicate and um, they're all actually the really important things being school ready rather than being able to read and write because when you have all of the other things you'll learn to read and write really quickly um, and you'll understand it really well so I suppose that kind of changed and um, myself by working with a classroom previously and being a teacher you know that that took a bit of reschooling for me you know you were thinking okay well we're going to have now 22 children in the preschool classroom everything is at their level they're going to choose what they're going to do and you're thinking this is all a bit of chaos but actually it wasn't um, because the children learned to communicate there was still order in the classroom and it was about watching using the time instead of kind of crowd control and getting the children to sit in the seats it's about using the time to watch the children where the development is at and then to plan effectively for where they're going to go to Karen, I remember teaching, we call it reception, so prep where I grew up, so it's in Australia, yeah. 30 in a class of five-year-olds. We used to call it herding cats because it was just unbelievable, <laughs> especially those yeah. few months if they've never been in any sort of setting or been away from parents. And it was just, you know, we did very much take the play-based model. But it sounds like tigers are fostering the, fostering the independent growth of a child instead of, so you're fostering the growth of a child in order to be a leader, I suppose, in the world with the soft skills. Yeah, it's, I suppose, having the knowledge of how children learn. So, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm sure and everyone can pick out what child they were in the classroom, but effectively you have, you know, three, you've many different ways of learning, but you can kind of put them into three categories. You've, you've kind of 40% of children that sit in the middle and they're learning quite easily in, in most environments. and. You know they're they're quite engaged at learning and they find it easy to communicate and then you have 30 percent that will be really good within a classroom space but unless it's quite exciting and uplifting unless they have a lot of interaction half the day they might be daydreaming and there's nothing you know they're not reaching their potential and then you have 30 percent that find it really difficult within a normal um stereotypical classroom space because they find it difficult to sit in a seat they need movement, they need active, and they're generally our born leaders. They're our children that think outside the box. And school, the school environment has generally made them feel that they're quite naughty because they can't conform to sit in their seat. So rather than us try and challenge that, what we try and do is look at each individual child, see how they learn, what their learning style is, where their interests lie, 
And so for those children, like the children that find it difficult to sit in a seat, we understand that they need movement breaks. And so we allow that. And if we're teaching an activity and those children get up and walk away, we wonder, well, why do they walk away? Where have they gone to? Where have their interests lied? Yeah. What about the activity to stimulate them? And then we also teach those children sometimes communication can be a little slow. So the reason they're having a meltdown or they're, you know, kicking out is because they just can't communicate properly. So we teach them that a conflict resolution model. So we teach them how to engage with them, to teach them how to express those feelings and how to communicate. So they learn to self-regulate themselves. They learn to be able to tell you exactly what's going on rather than have the breakdown. Um, so it's kind of all of our colleagues knowing this about children when they come into a tiger's building, knowing that for our very young children when they don't know to communicate, that the first thing we ever do is soothe them. So if we have a baby that's having a breakdown or having a tantrum, there's no point in trying to explain anything to them before we comfort them. And um, when we comfort them and then they're calm, then we can explain what they need to do or then we can show them. But it's just, I suppose it's, it's quite holistic care. So we're looking at the whole child. And we know if we look at the whole child, the child is happy, the child is content, but then the child will learn and they'll reach their full potential. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. If, it, if I've got a 10-year-old and a three-year-old, if my 10-year-old sees red, there's no use. You just have to yeah, take him back to, back to basics, talk him through, and then yeah. soothe him and then bring back. doesn't matter what he's done. You have to come back to basics. You can't. When they see red, they see red. It's interesting, you know, I've had experience, I've had experience with my children in different child cares from Australia, Singapore, Dubai, and the UK, and all are so different. They're so different. Yeah. I remember in Singapore, my son was sent a report home at two and a half years old. And I think you're going to laugh at this. And he was told that he cannot read yet and I should be disappointed. <laughs> and he was two years old and that he doesn't like to be teased. It was sort of, my husband and I at the time were expats looking at it going, I, I don't know if this is a joke. Is this a joke? Like, <laughs> this can't be serious. But he had a really different experience in yeah you've had in, in a half Chinese and half expat environment there so it wasn't for example in Australia they would have had chickens running around where he was at his childcare yeah. and then with this very structured environment his behavior regressed quite badly because yeah. he couldn't sit within that environment so it took us a long time to realize what was happening to him and why the behavior was the way it was yeah and it is and you can often see that in children like a lot of children's tantrums they do come from the fact that they are so little they can't effectively communicate i mean your son couldn't effectively communicate to say i'm not used to this environment i'm used to being able to wander around why are you making me sit down and do this or you know <laughs> and he, I can't, he can't communicate to say that yeah <laughs> so what's the only way he can tell you to stop and you know that i'm not happy is to throw a tantrum um, so it's understanding that and being able to say, okay, what's going on here? Being able to take that space. Um, so that was really important. Like I, like yourself, I have two children and they're two very different children. I have my daughter who would have, you know, would have hated to be in trouble and never would have caused any trouble in school. And then I have an active 12 year old boy who, you know, would have liked to climb and everything that came in front of him and certainly needs, you know, to have breaks within his learning. Um, and if he's not interested, you won't get him to be interested. So, you know, there are lots of different learners. And I think the, the I suppose the stereotypical education system doesn't meet all of their needs. And um, we end up 
children feeling quite rubbish about themselves um, when there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. It's just a different, a different learning style would have suited them better. Absolutely, I completely agree. My, both my, one of my sons is really kinesthetic. He has to touch, feel, he cannot sit in a chair without jumping on a football and throwing himself you know, the other side of the room. One thing I wanted to say this year, do you think there'll be an evolution in education? Because I mean, this has been the year of innovation. We have had, I mean, I have had seven months of teaching my children at home and working full time and doing everything. Do you think there will actually be an innovation in what we require? I know that in some countries, the, is it the A-levels, the GCSEs now competency-based and things like that. Do you think that we will get the evolution we're kind of needing to foster our children's education? Yeah, I, I, I hope it moves up the chain. I think, like, I think we're really seeing, I think years ago we looked to thinking, I suppose, the primary and secondary school were the be-all and end-all for children. And now we understand actually that really? the early years are really important. And I think changing that curriculum around for yeah, so our early years curriculum changed. Um, when it changed, it, it changed up until six years of age. So now for the, the reception classes, the first two years of school is taught in this way where it's very play-based. And they're seeing not a decline in literacy then for later years. They're seeing an increase in literacy skills in early years, showing that actually where they're taught through play where it's memorable and meaningful that children learn better when they really understand at a, a proper age what literacy is um but you'd love to see that develop up the chain like you'd love to see where it's understood that some children are never going to effectively learn from sitting at a table and chairs for most of their day that they'll need to be active in their learning um and i have been lucky enough to see it in some schools for for at least primary level where they understand and they're able to track learning. But I suppose these schools are schools where the class sizes are smaller, where that allows for a teacher to be more hands-on with the students. I think it, it is, it's very difficult on a teacher where she's 30 children in a classroom um, to be able to do that uh, within the classroom space. But I think you're certainly able to do it in, um, in smaller class spaces. Especially uh, this year would be quite hard to do too because I know the restrictions are quite tight in the schools of how they have to sit, where they have to sit, where they can go, their bubbles and all this. I mean, but I was just wondering like the actual, will the assessment procedures change in the education system to be more competency-based rather than, and even creativity, fostering the creativity. And as you say, you know, the you're doing child-led activity. So, you know, you're you're trying, as you're looking at a holistic approach to to educating children from the early years, which I love. I think that's such a wonderful thing to, to have for children. So any child that goes to Tigers childcare is very lucky, I think. Um, I have to ask, where did Tigers, where did the Tiger name come from? It's absolutely, like everyone asked this, but it was actually <laughs> meaningless. <laughs> At 21 years of age, it came out of the sky. Um, no, there was no real thought put into it. When I started um, the first after school, it was in a, a school called St. Vincent's. And so the after school was St. Vincent's after school until the um, school board said, look, we probably should have a different name so it's not associated directly to the school. Um, and so Tigers, I mean, I there was no big thought went into it um, but then it seemed to work actually a lot for the Celtic Tiger years in Ireland and uh -huh. um, now we have a, a program for our colleagues called Tiger Stripes where they get rewards so they earn their stripes for Tigers yeah. um, 
and we've had the tiger roars into town in London, so it seems to have worked pretty well. <laughs> very, I have to admit, there was very little uh, marketing thought went into that. There wasn't a big marketing thing where you got into the room, and, no. or even you know it was your son's first word or something like that. You could tell. No. <laughs> absolutely nothing <laughs> when you had your children now growing up and you were obviously a working mum you know was there a lack of quality childcare in in Ireland yeah there certainly was I mean back when my children were young it, certainly the industry wasn't as evolved as it is now and so you were still working where 50 percent of the staff did not have to have any qualifications it's high levels of turnover. There was real lack of, because it was not a degree-led industry at that stage, you had staff that didn't have a lot of knowledge um, when working with children. So and there was certainly a lack of childcare. Um, you know, at that stage, when my children were young, the, the economy was booming. And so it's very difficult to get your child into a childcare space. That is really hard. It's really hard when you do, can, can't get quality childcare when you're a working mum as well. So what you provided was absolutely the niche in the market they needed. Yeah. Question's actually about creativity and, you know, why do you believe it's important for children, especially in the early years? I, I think our children are going to, like, I think most of the jobs they work in, we won't even know what they are yet. And I think they'll have to be innovators. They'll have to be children that will think outside the box. They're going to have to be very technologically sound as well. And so that creativity, that ability to learn and think of what's coming next is going to be key, that cre creativity. So even and, and creativity doesn't just come in, in art, it comes in just our way of thinking. So the same thing, like if we're teaching them basic things like maths concepts and you're teaching them, you know, if you have such an amount of something and then you add more, you have, you have a bigger number and you're teaching them that concept for the first time in preschool, you want the children to say, and what happens when you take it away? You know, you want them to be thinking of the next step. You want to make it that concrete for them that they're always, and that's how working through play really works because as they're figuring things out, they'll ask questions. And whether that's when they're playing in the dramatic play area in the home corner, that they're, you know, making up a game and you'll hear them question their friends and how will we cook this or what do we do or working a scenario or whether that's being creative and building and working something out. You want them to be working out the answers for themselves because and being creative and how they, how they overcome situations. Um, because that's the way their world is going to be. Absolutely. Like learn, they're learning without realising, aren't they, when they're learning through play? Because Absolutely. Yeah. And they're thinking for themselves, um, which I think is really important. Karen, you know, Idiot's Education, we always look at learning without realising. So we say learning without realising and we look at open-ended toys. So toys that children play with rather than a toy that, a that plays with a child. So not pushing a button and it's passive, we look at active where it's actively sparking imagination and creativity, which sometimes yeah. children need a little bit of open-ended questioning and um, to start with. You know, I suppose at Tiger's childhood, how do you start with creativity? We like that. It's, it's about entering different things into the classroom so that the classroom is quite different all the time. So putting new materials and like that open-ended materials, so lots of arts and crafts materials. So we would look to kind of Reggio Emilia curriculum for that, about introducing all of the different things that we can into the classroom, such as arts and crafts supplies, so the children can make things by themselves. So that, you know, we're in, we might be putting in different um, recyclable materials into the classroom, but the children are creating what that they become. And as you said, sometimes that needs some help. So with the younger children, it might be about, set, you know, helping with the setup of a new environment. 
But then as the children progress, when they're getting to two and a half to three, they'll tell you what that space is. And it's about as well recording what they say. So as a child is starting when they're quite young and they might put a scribble on a page, you know, it's about asking them as well, like, what is that? Tell me about that. I'm recording what they say. And again, as they're building or they're creating, it's being able to do that. Like, I think open-ended materials are always better than toys that are set up to be something. And yeah. um, because a child has to think about what they're going to be and they're using their imagination. And in a time where computer screens and iPads and everything else are more prevalent, it's great to have children thinking about what something can be and using their imaginations. Absolutely. And also we find multiple ages can play together. So even if it's linking cubes or anything like that, so cubes, blocks, whatever it's going to be. I know when I do number bombs yeah. with my son, my youngest son will come along later and try and copy what he's doing. He's, he sort of doesn't have the concept of maths or what he's doing, but he can pattern, he can put it together, he can find motor skills and development as well. So I like, I think it's great for multiple ages development. And I suppose, you know, as we say, we say empowering active listening, You're empowering a child and actively listening to them is one of the most important things. Yeah. Well. Karen, you've opened up a new childcare centre in the UK. So it opened in June this year, am I correct? Well, we actually opened um, the last week of February. So we opened three weeks before lockdown. Oh. We only had seven children and none of them are key workers. So we had to close then and reopen in June. <laughs> Yeah. How has it been opening in the middle of, well, we could say a pandemic, really? You know, how, how have you found the uptake? You know, it, yeah, it hasn't been too bad. Like, we obviously, we had a slower start um, than we, we would have anticipated. Um, but actually, we'll have caught up by Christmas to where we would usually be when we open a new centre. So we're not too bad. And, you know, and it gave us the time to form as a team. So, um it meant that all our colleagues actually because it was quieter at the start really got time to settle in and I had a lot of one-on-one -on -one time because I'm you know back on the floor over here teaching the the ethos that we have in, in Dublin over here as well and um, so I've had a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with our colleagues that had started here as well so it's given our colleagues a really strong foundation to build something good upon and um, so it hasn't all been bad I think you know now looking at as well health and safety and looking at disease control like all of that has obviously come to the forefront meaning that our centers are really clean like we've always people always dread when they put the child into a nursery because the first year can be torment with them being sick but now all of the policies and procedures we have in place mean that actually our illness levels for everything have gone right down so it's been lots of benefits to it Karen, that's amazing news. I've got to ask you, where to next? You've launched Tigers Childcare in London. Now, what's the next project? Um, I think to continue to expand on London. So we have four um, sites at the moment that we're looking at. So to really to continue to grow, we feel that we do something different. And the way people will know that we're different is to, to get bigger and so people will know about us. So it's to continue that growth story. Um, I'm loving being back on the floor with the children I have to say so hopefully I'll get a lot more of that over the next few years as we start to build up over here. Karen I hope you expand a little bit further south in the commuter belt south of London that would be fantastic I have a, a nice active three-year-old that would thrive in your environment I think any child would thrive in your environment at Tigers Childcare I have to say thank you so much for, t for talking to us today. Oh, thank you Heather.
Thank you so much. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what is the best way? Is, it, is there a generic email through the website or if they want to learn more yeah, about Yeah, they can contact, um, yeah, so they can go onto our website or any of our social media pages. So www.tigerschildcare.co.uk or any of our social media pages. We're very active on both uh, our Facebook and our Instagram pages. And also you can contact me directly. I'm more than happy to talk to anyone at Karen at tigerschildcare.com. Karen, thank you so much. It was wonderful to talk to you today. And actually, I enjoyed hearing the kids in the background no, thank you. as well. <laughs> there are so many relevant topics right now, and EDX Education would love to hear from you. So please get in touch and subscribe to our podcast, Education Tips from the Experts with EDX Education, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podbean, TuneIn, and so many more channels. My name is Heather Welch from EDX Education. Let's all stay safe.